0: Hello, and welcome back to The Charlie Ashby Show. This week, I'm joined by someone who is an actor, writer, podcaster, and much more. It's the ever-talented Maggie Lovett.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, You're the first guest who I actually don't know too well.
1: Oh, so you're going to learn some stuff this this episode.
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's what's funny, actually, is that with the process of this podcast, I thought if I do the first few episodes with people that I'm more aware of or like friends with mm-hmm. and then I can just you know feel a bit more at ease but actually I learned quite a lot from the people that I, <laughs> I already know which is kind of fun oh wow way. um yeah especially like creativity wise um I guess I'm always uh maybe I'm less surprised over time with how creative people are just in general and how there seems to be some sort of weird thread that connects people that are creative Compared to other people who like, don't really care about that stuff, it's so true. Um, yeah, for sure. And we know each other through Twitter yes. and the whole <laughs> Star Wars of it all. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, just cool things. Obviously, um, when you, when you post your pictures from Wonder Woman set, which yes. is uh, crazy. Um, I think we talked like about like heroes, the show heroes, Mm-hmm. and how somehow through the galactic web of things you have read my fanfic from yes when I was, which like, is 15. crazy which, utterly like i know like th- that was something i kept secret like in the vault no one should know <laughs> i was like well this will be a, like a laugh because you mentioned that you had read fanfic i was like oh, well, she's never gonna have read my fanfic
1: yes and then and... Was, oh Yesterday, I saw that you liked a friend of mine who isn't in the Star Wars fandom's Instagram post, Um, Christopher Thompson, who does voice work occasionally for Doctor Who. I've been friends with him for like 10 years. We met on YouTube back when he did like Doctor Who YouTube like series (laughs) and series.
0: (laughs) My first podcast appearance was on WhoTubeia.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yes. (laughs) wow
0: now that is another weird galactic coincidence you can't make this up
1: no everyone's connected at the end of the day i think
0: oh 100 percent. and chris is such a great dude he's, he's awesome he's one of the funniest um and just really like talented voice artists out there he's patrick Trowan is mm-hmm. it's ridiculous
1: saying how good he is
0: but yeah my first podcast appearance was actually on Hootubia season two i think it must have been i think it must have been let's kill hitler was the oh, wow. reaction video yeah it was uh, john cranston chris thompson and me talking about let's kill hitler i think it was let's kill hitler because it i don't think it was the, the one before the one where river song is revealed and all that jazz it was definitely something along those lines
1: that's crazy yeah what a throwback
0: nine years ago
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> how weird is that that's
0: wild Well, there you go. Um, That's a fun little (laughs) thing that we've (laughs) learned already within the first two minutes. Um, So my first question, I Mm -hmm. ask everyone the same thing, which is firstly, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Keeping busy. COVID's been weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the whole lockdown, the whole 2020 has been a weird write-off, I think. Um, It's interesting because it's a write-off in terms of obviously we can't get some things done. But in other ways, I guess it's allowed people to... Be more creative and mm-hmm. a bit more flexible. Have you found yourself creating any new things this year?
1: Yeah, so I, I wrote a fan fiction this year um, for another fandom, and I wrote four hundred over four hundred thousand words. It's almost four hundred fifty thousand words long since March, which is like the most I've ever written. And I don't think I could have done that if it weren't for COVID.
0: That's incredible. So, Can I ask what, uh, what fandom was that for?
1: Um, for narcos. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> uh where can people find that? Oh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll talk about it, but I won't say where you can find it.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what, maybe through the weird galactic web someone will find it of their yes. own accord, and then twenty years later they'll become <laughs> friends of you and find it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but that's awesome. Like I can't even imagine writing that many words.
1: It's like, longer than a Game of Thrones novel.
0: I'm probably bad, to be honest. Let's be. Let's be
1: <laughs> Come on, George, uh, keep writing.
0: Yeah, like he's had the lockdown as well. He hasn't been able to finish that, so he has no excuses. <laughs> Is there anything else you've been doing? I know that you've set up a YouTube channel recently.
1: Yes, I set up a YouTube channel. I launched a podcast like the week before the lockdown started um, with my best friend, Nicole. Um, And then I've been doing the writing over at Your Money Geek. So I've just been dabbling in every form of creativity possible.
0: (laughs) Anything to let the the time go by. Exactly. Uh, So what inspired you growing up?
1: Oh my gosh, so many things. I was such a fan of Star Trek and Star Wars growing up that I think those were the two things that really inspired me. But I was also a huge Batman fan. Like I wore out the VHS tape of the Michael Keaton Batman movies. So basically anything that was like science fiction or fantasy, like Lord of the Rings, anything that I could like dive into and forget the real world, that was like my sweet spot anything that expanded like my view of fantasy or science fiction or like what the future could be that was what really got me going creatively it's
0: funny you mentioned that because we have literally we got a series on the on the patreon called batman returned where me and alden have been going through each of the batman films per season so this first season we've been doing is um the 1989 to 1997 uh burton schumacher films and uh i was just editing the batman forever episode which is nuts uh, i actually but, love that movie <laughs> oh we love it too i think i think it's alden's favorite of those films which is quite funny um it is it is definitely a what's the way to put it? it's like a nice little combination between the 60s and the burton films mm-hmm. but something very specific about those burton films that calls to me
1: Mm -hmm, same
0: like growing up it was very much because it's it's timeless the way it's set like it's obviously the 80s but it looks like it's the 30s there's the tommy guns there's a ridiculous sound effects yes which i didn't even notice until like this time around actually when we watched batman forever there's a lot of ridiculous cartoony sound effects
1: there's so many
0: like there was a there was a champagne pop, I think when someone got hit in the head. I was like, "This is great!" Like I never really
1: noticed that before. It's such a good film. I just rewatched uh, those not long ago.
0: Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite of the uh, first four?
1: I really think Batman Forever is one of my favorites. Okay. I also like Batman and Robin, which I know is not a Burton one, but I really like Batman and Robin. Um. Which is like a controversial opinion. I um, mean,
0: I definitely agree that it's, it gets a bad, it's a bad, like, it's a bad film. If you like, like, if I were to enter into the Criterion Collection, I probably would pick Batman and Robin. Yes. But if I was looking for a fun time, if I was lo- like locked on a desert island, I might pick Batman and Robin.
1: Yeah, it's such a, it's such a weird one. The plot is weird. The characters are just so much, but it's a fun time.
0: It definitely reminds me of the theory that Grant Morrison posed in the comics, which is that over time, Batman and Robin have been dealing with so many hallucinogenics, so many <laughs> gas attacks, so many beatings that there might, like everything's canon. So he starts off as this 1930s pulp character. And then within about what, five years, he's like, he's seeing giant pianos and the Joker is driving a giant car with his face on it that sort of thing i like the idea that he's just like
1: he's just lost it <laughs>
0: <laughs> they can't be dealing with reality that's why everything's neon that's why mr freeze is saying puns
1: oh god mr freeze
0: <laughs> i mean yeah definitely part of its era we were talking about how uh, nicole kidman's character in batman forever purely exists to be horny <laughs>
1: That's the only reason she's there.
0: <laughs> in fact, we even noticed her arc was that her arc is that she's horny about one person and then she realizes, no, I should be horny about Bruce. <laughs> that's like, that's, no, that's, no that's arc it, that's the all. film. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, in terms of creativity as well, like with schoolwork, this is a question I, I give everyone because this is a theory I have and so far it hasn't been broken. And it doesn't matter if it is broken because it's, you know, whatever. But my theory is that creative people, when given homework, either did it last minute or were late.
1: So I'm going to break your trend. (laughs) (gasps) This is fun. (laughs) I am notoriously early on everything. Um, I'm friends with one of my professors from undergrad, um, and I'm still that girl that Finished three weeks of schoolwork before class even started. Oh, wow. We were under lockdown because we had a giant storm like our first week of freshman year. And so mm. I was really bored because like the power was out and there was like nothing going on on campus. And so I was like, I like history. I'll just start working on my history class ahead of time. And then I saw that I could submit stuff already. So I just like went ahead and submitted three work, like three weeks worth of work. And he still has not let me live it down. So I'm like notoriously early.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I wish I had your energy there. And <laughs> the ability to do that. Because I, I adore history. But I, I was so terrible at it. Especially in sick form. Ugh.
1: That's that's what I went to school for. So,
0: I mean, yeah. If you're going to do something, at least want to do it, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mind was just so scattered it's like oh yeah i love history but if i have to focus on doing it if someone's telling me you have to do this i'm like
1: oh. then you're like nah i'll do something else
0: <laughs> yeah like i'll focus on comic books and then if someone's like okay you have to do a review about comics i'm like oh, i might read a history book <laughs> <laughs> probably not the best way to go but i like the fact that there's different outlets for creativity and mm-hmm. stuff um were you a creative child
1: Oh, yeah. I was an only child. So all of my creativity, like, was centered on creating like my own little imaginary world around me. So we recently unearthed some old videos from when I was like five and six, and I would set up the video camera, and I would do news reports and oh my God. I would like cut back and forth to myself in like different outfits, pretending <laughs> that I was like the weatherman on location, giving the weather like report. And then I was on location at the zoo and it was like me with all my beanie babies.
0: That is next level. <laughs> <laughs> like I can understand, like maybe a child would be like, okay, yeah, I might just film myself quickly pretending to be a new spot. But that is that is an amazing amount of dedication. I think you put more dedication in making a news report than I did doing a journalism degree. Oh no. Like am oh, oh. bored of doing the sh- like That's I love that. That's awesome.
1: And, and it helped that I was homeschooled so like my mom would like very much work to capture that creativity and when i'd get bored with something she'd be like okay how about you create a board game about this book that you're reading instead of doing a book report and so i definitely learned at an early age that even if i like like something but didn't want to put effort into it i could find something i preferred doing related to it and then i could create something that way
0: i think that might be the key then because i think what schools are missing out on And public education is there is a lack of focus on wanting to teach kids the yearning for education yes it's more like Mm force-fed like you have to do this and that's why kids get bored and stuff but the way you describe like the homeschooling stuff is such a great way of like turning on its head and being like oh if you don't like this thing maybe do it this way yeah that's such a better idea and It really works.
1: (laughs) It does. I mean, and everybody has something they're passionate about. And I feel like schools should definitely capture, like if you have kids that don't like reading books, find ways to incorporate like history books that have been turned into comics and, you know, teaching them in different ways, watching films or, you know, creating visual reports. Or if you have a kid that likes making YouTube videos, let them give their reports in, you know, YouTube form or something. There's so many different ways to engage with children and definitely missing the mark in a lot of educational situations
0: which is yeah such a shame and I feel like I think adults nowadays um are definitely doing a better job at educating themselves and doing Mm -hmm. it in a fun way like you see like all these great youtube channels and um which tell you history in a fun sort of way or like science or along those lines which I, I think is a good idea but yeah definitely we should be doing it more in school Uh, Do you know what your first outlet for creativity was? Was it those videos?
1: Oh, possibly. I know I wrote a lot when I was a kid as well. Um, I was super obsessed with wolves for a period of time when I was like four and five. And I wrote a bunch of like short stories about a wolf pack. So that might be like the earliest, earliest. But I was always doing like all sorts of different like multimedia ideas, like creating videos and creating like fake newspapers and like driving my mother absolutely crazy <laughs> um I also remember like being six years old when Lord of the Rings came out and trying to write my own fan fiction because I had stumbled upon like fanfiction.net on the internet and was like "Ooh, I can create my own Lord of the Rings stories <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's like i don't have to like be i don't have to just read other people's stuff i can make it my own thing
1: <laughs> exactly
0: i did the exact same sort of thing but with action figures oh you know when you have a certain amount like especially when you come from like a poorer family mm-hmm. you have like a certain amount of action figures it's like okay well i've got anakin padme luke and leia but i don't have these blah blah blah, blah. but i've got those of clones so what i can do is there's a time Bubble <laughs> and they've fallen back, and that's why there's no stormtroopers.
1: Oh, sort of,
0: yeah, like be like, okay, well, they've gone back in time, and that's why there's no stormtroopers. It's not because I haven't got any, <laughs>
1: it's, it's
0: because of the time bubble.
1: I like that, that's exactly.
0: A- yeah, like it's a nice way to sort of deal with it. But I, think I might have actually been Legos, like I didn't have the storm, Lego stormtroopers, but I did oh. have the clone troopers.
1: That's really clever and kind of working to create of bringing everything together
0: yeah and all using other like action figure sets or whatever like there's a truck in star wars i'll just say it's a some star warsy name
1: oh <laughs> like yeah i member. did that i had i had a bunch of lord of the rings um action figures but i didn't have i'm blanking on what they're called they're the they were like an all black they look like um, dementors but they're like ringwraiths or something like that yeah, yeah the ringwraiths and I dressed I had an Aaron Carter action figure and I <laughs> put him in a sock like a black sock and like fashioned it to look like the robes and so he was the ringwraith
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> perfect
1: yeah kids always find a way to make things work
0: <laughs> especially yeah I remember like I had I think a Lord Voldemort figure and a Harry Potter figure and there were the only two I had. I was like, oh, God. I'll make a whole story out of this. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's a very long battle. Um, do you know what your first uh, outlet in terms of, like, what what at what point did you go, okay, this is the key outlet I want to focus my creativity on? Is it acting, writing?
1: Definitely writing. I have so many notebooks. Um, I was just cleaning my room to, like, reorganize it for more, like, video production And I found a bunch of my stuff going back, like, probably 15 years. And I would handwrite, like, hundreds of pages, double-sided, of stories that I would come up with. And so I found, like, three or four different notebooks filled with all of my writing from, like, stories I came up with. And I'd created covers and, like, character sheets and, like, all sorts of, like, super intense um, for somebody who was, like, in her early teens. And so I definitely think writing. Like, I always knew I wanted to... To write and to publish, um, and I used to. I actually I have an old email account that I don't use anymore. That was like Director Maggie because I wanted to be a, a film director. <laughs> <laughs> so and that was like one of my first like AOL usernames. Yeah, like back in like the early aughts, and so I definitely knew I wanted to like be in the film industry and in some form or fashion. And now I've kind of. Re-geared myself towards screenwriting I'd really love to have a TV series that I wrote for
0: <laughs> That'd be awesome And I'm rooting for you uh,
1: When did the acting come into that? Um, I was in ballet when I was really young um, I think I started when I was four or five And so I really liked being on stage And we definitely have some videos of me When I did go to kindergarten Of me being like an absolute ham During the school play So, I always like really liked acting. I have some pictures of me from when I was like eight ish, I think, eight or nine, dressed up with those like glasses with the mustache, (laughs) pretending to be a man that's name was Maggie's manager. And I would do this like super gruff voice um, and like dress in all black and look like a very serious like agent or a manager or something. And Then I would also pretend to be Maggie, who was like this actress and like, also drive my mother crazy with my (laughs) (laughs) split personalities. (laughs) Um, So when I ended up actually working in film and joining like SAG-AFTRA, and it just kind of felt like a completion of that circle as a child wanting to get into the film industry.
0: Is it fun to flex your creative muscles in different ways?
1: Yes, I love it. I think I drive like even my boss crazy because I can do like graphic design and I can do video editing and I can do writing and I can write different kinds of writing. And like, I think it's just part of like having been an only child, I had to fulfill like so many different roles so that I could Mm. create stuff. And so I got very used to doing a little bit of everything to satisfy like my creative needs.
0: Do you think that uh, adds a little bit more control? Oh, yeah. Do you like having control over the certain things? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I definitely feel that same way, especially like doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And you got so many people involved. You're like, that's awesome. But what if we did it like this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll do the editing for the for the imagery. Like I can spend a ridiculous amount of time just trying to figure out the font. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah. One of the things that, because I did um, acting as well in uh, secondary school. My GCSE and A levels. Oh, and I dropped out uh, for A levels because I, I it was a complete nightmare. I think the key reason I picked acting was because I—I uh, I was always the shy kid, Mm-hmm. and I didn't realize I had an anxiety disorder. Oh no! So I went to uh, university, <laughs> and I went to a counselor, and they're like, I like—I think you got GAD. And I was like, "What's that?" they are like. Like, generalized anxiety disorder. I was like, that oh makes goodness. so much sense. So what I did was I was like, okay, I'm a shy kid. I'm a bit of a out, like, um, I need to improve this somehow. So I'll get into acting. That would be cool. Did that for secondary. Was told, Charlie, you're really good. You're going to get a B for your exam. Did the exam. Didn't get a B. Oh, <laughs> Got a C. no. That really wrecked my, like... I got, I got completely worse. So when I did sick form, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I had to do a monologue, which seems like a nightmare. I just didn't remember. I couldn't remember any of the words. And it was it was like one of those things where you're watching a sitcom. And I was speaking in front of the hall. All these parents, mine weren't there, luckily, thank God, because we don't have a car. and It just, like, wasn't worth it. So all these other parents are watching me. There's an examiner in front of me, a spotlight on my face, and I'm like trying to make up a monologue.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> and
0: the- <laughs> this is the this is the key bit is where I was like acting, trying to come up with the words, and I-, and I just stopped, and I just sort of looked at the ground, and they were like, "Okay, thank you, Charlie. You want to go back to the." Oh my goodness. Back, I had to watch what everyone else is. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. But the thing that I hated about it the most was that I enjoyed acting my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when we wrote a project and I felt like I had some sort of control over it, I enjoyed it more or I could learn the lines easier. Um, and I guess that they had just links to control a little bit. I don't know if I'd be, a, I think I'd be a terrible actor in general, but maybe if you did your own stuff, it'd be interesting to see how that does, which leads me into a question I have um, yes. about acting. actually, <laughs> And I'm intrigued by this because it's like, that's terrified me for a while and something that I've been interested in doing, mm-hmm. but I've been terrified because of stuff like that story. <laughs> um, and that question is, do you think acting has helped you with promoting yourself? via your writing, and having a YouTube channel?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I definitely think acting has helped me also be a lot more confident. Um, Like, I was very outgoing, but I had a speech impediment as a child, and still do, and still work with that. Um, And I feel like acting has helped me kind of move past that, so to speak, because it helps me feel like, like there's a pressure on me that I have to perform well. And so that helps me focus on like what I'm saying. And I really felt like with working on my YouTube videos, which I was like absolutely scared to do, um, cause I was like, what if I mess up and like, I don't sound good. And like, obviously you can edit it, but there's still this like fear of sounding silly in front of the camera. And I think doing so many different things this year with like podcasting and live streams and like really kind of working to hone that like public presence in front of the camera has been like really interesting. Um, And then I also feel like it helps you when you're like googled if somebody googles you they can see how you're working and other things like obviously no one's really acting this year because of covid and so there's there's a body of work that's proving that you're still trying to hone your craft and and work even when there aren't opportunities to really be in front of the camera
0: yeah for sure and you, you definitely can't tell that um you have struggled with your videos because i've seen them so far and they're really great well thank you <laughs> um, and definitely, what you said about the speech impediment is something I can relate to as well. Because this show that we're doing right now was actually, uh, I actually created it because I was struggling with my sense of self in terms of the podcasting. Mm-hmm. I had got so attached to being a wildcap or hosting a wildcap show, which d- doesn't really for like fit in any sort of format. It's a bit ridiculous. Like we can go off at any tangent. It doesn't matter if we mess up. <laughs> That when I was trying to do actual interviews and actual stuff, I felt like I was losing some of the stuff I'd learned at university. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to sort of like steer my way back into getting actual questions out. And um, if we were to get like I don't know Dave Filoni, God forbid, one day on the show, um, I wouldn't end up asking him what he <laughs> thinks about <laughs> Darth Maul's legs. Um, although that is a good question. To be fair,
1: that is actually a solid question.
0: Because <laughs> if you're going to bring Darth Maul back all the time what can't his legs come back with like a a robot body
1: you know seriously yeah
0: (laughs) these are the questions we need answered um so yeah i was really intrigued about how you dealt with that and um the whole gaining a bit more control and feeling less anxious about that seems pretty fun
1: (laughs) and you should always be nervous that's like Something that I learned very early on with acting, like you should always have a little bit of nerves because it keeps you on your game because you're, you're prepared for anything to happen that way. If you're just a little bit nervous and like thinking about what's, you know, upcoming, especially with doing like your money geek, I've been doing a lot of interviews with like celebrities that I actually like look up to like Emily Swallow. And I've got two coming up, um, one with Juliet Landau and one with, um, rob paulson and like i'm so nervous about them and because you never know what's going to happen in an interview so it's so good to like get lots of practice doing interviews was that a spoken interview yes so Ooh. so all of my interviews that i write up i have to call them or they call me and i record them and then transcribe the interviews and it's so nerve-wracking
0: that yeah that is definitely one of the things i pushed myself this year i was like I'm, I'm too. I've been too scared of doing certain things. Like, look, screw that. I'm going to do an interview of someone Mm -hmm. who I care about, and uh, Josh Rubin, who works for College Humor, Mm -hmm. has been someone who I have loved for years. And so I managed to do an emo interview with him, which was awesome.
1: Oh wow! just,
0: Just doing that, like, threw me off for a second. And when you get someone having really good responses to your questions, it was definitely one of those. Okay, yeah, a bit of fear is good. Yes it reminds me of that David Bowie quote, which I can't say verbatim, but along the lines of, you got to put yourself out there into the water. And just when you think that you're like, you can't feel your feet on the bottom of the water, that's where you stop Um, uh, in the the unknown, just a little bit, but not too much that you can drown.
1: Yeah. That's usually where the best work comes from.
0: So my next question is, uh, what's the
1: best part about writing? creating new worlds i love world building love it
0: does that include uh, your journalism work like do you like creating a world for the readers to
1: sort of yeah form them i i really i like i like a little bit of humor in my writing and i like being able to make it relatable i know i've read articles where people use like such big words and they make i don't they make readers feel stupid and mm-hmm. I like trying to keep things very simple and very, like, user-friendly. Um, and I think that's why some like some of my articles are, like, obviously not what I particularly care about, like, listicles and writing about new apps and stuff like that, which isn't really, like, my preference. But I like trying to approach those with the same, um, like, wit about them that I do with, like, my case for the mando Two casting rumors article or my articles where they're a little bit more meteor and talking about like um the fundraisers that the fandom has done i like i like trying to make it engaging i like writing what i would like to read
0: yeah i definitely agree with that i think sometimes some writers and media organizations confuse informing an uninformed audience with talking down to them
1: yes Far too and,
0: often. Yeah, and definitely using humor and stuff is a great way to sort of flesh that out a little bit. Because, yeah, like not everyone is going to be, like if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's like, oh, I'll call back Doctor Who. Not everyone's going to be well in depth or know all that knowledge about a certain canon and stuff. But you don't have to be too like, this is a TV show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I actually agree with that. I definitely tried to put that in my writing as well trying to be a bit humorous especially when you there's like such a fine line sometimes where like okay we well can't talk about yourself you can't talk about it from your point of view mm-hmm. so you have to try and put a bit of character in there without necessarily saying oh i'm this is me i'm <laughs> saying this
1: yes which is so hard sometimes because there's like such a fine line between like creative writing and especially in pop culture
0: mm-hmm. where
1: so much of it is is actually coming from like your experience within fandom um, always a fine line to walk
0: yeah because uh, especially like like you mentioned like with pop culture and stuff because you're like this is star wars mm-hmm. it's hard like- not to be like this is star Wars oh my god star Wars <laughs>
1: And I think a lot of that I learned because like, obviously I didn't go to school for journalism. I went to school for historic preservation and then worked in the museum field for almost a decade. And I think a lot of that I learned from writing about history because you have to be subjective on sometimes very difficult topics, Um, particularly where I worked um, a lot of civil war history. And obviously there is an inherent bias to be like, you know who the good guys were here uh, (laughs) and who the bad guys were but you can't let that color how you do like displays and how you present history you have to lead the audience to that conclusion themselves as they're reading you know information and so I kind of use a lot of those same tactics when I'm I'm writing sometimes more controversial pieces
0: (laughs) it's funny you say that and actually I'm gonna go off topic a little bit and dive onto what you just said about the whole museum like how was that like I'm really interested in this Teresa
1: I loved it um it I I just recently did a video um for someone and I was talking about like I loved it and I was happy but I wasn't like a hundred percent happy um I was a kid that always wanted to be a little bit of everything I went through a phase where I wanted to be a librarian I went through a phase where I wanted to be a writer that I wanted to go to school for acting and I I got the opportunity while working in the museums to write scripts for cemetery tours and for ghost tours. And I got to do acting and I got to lead tours and create so much content that I really got to satisfy like my writing desires and my acting desires. And, you know, I I loved it, but there was so much um, bureaucracy towards the end. Um, And just Mm. here in America, things are, quickly spiraling down the toilet <laughs> 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 that I decided to kind of venture out of that that field um, because I knew I was on the right side of things and not always was everybody else. And I just, one of those situations where I was just like, I can't deal with this right now, how this is, so I'm going to have to walk away. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I definitely have met some incredibly, incredible people through um, the museum industry, but it's also an extremely dying industry and there is no money in it. And in, in the region I live in, you got to make money or you cannot live here.
0: You can always just um, go to another country and steal it.
1: This is true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: History joke. Um, uh, <laughs> for sure. Like I, I grew up loving museums. Um, I used to just visit the British museum whenever I, I could. It's my, such a great place my favorite
1: is excuse me <clears throat> my favorite is the Museum of London yes. especially the one in Southwark I was like my absolute favorite I almost applied for a job there um I like, qualified for everything that they were looking for when I was on holiday two years ago and now I just saw that they let go of the person they hired for that job because of covid <gasps> and I was like I guess that was a good thing that I didn't yeah. like uproot my entire life um Though so the desire was strong,
0: <laughs> yeah, the museum of London is pretty great, especially when you get to see the bit of Hadron's Wall outside. Yes, it's it, it's it is weird though, isn't it? It's like trying to explain. I was like, no, 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 that is the wall. <laughs> it isn't like a bit of like replica that they put there. I know it's crazy that it's, crazy that that it's just right there. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the, some of the st- that's what's interesting. I, I I definitely want to go to America to see some museums because mm-hmm. there is so much incredible like stuff that's happened, obviously. But I guess it must be weird comparing both those types of museums. Oh, yeah. I would take a British cool.
1: museum any day. <laughs> <laughs> the history is so much richer.
0: There is so much stuff. Like, I remember like loving uh, ancient Egypt growing up, mm-hmm. and like watching the mummy films really sparked that a bit more as well and learning into stuff. I think what's interesting about this year as well is that. People are starting to learn a bit more about history and what mm-hmm. history actually is. Because I, I, I've talked about this a few times, but people always assume history is a bit like Star Wars. There's the good guys and the bad guys, the, the blue and the red, mm-hmm. and it's not that. It's awesome. not that way at all. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the stuff we know is wrong. So wrong. <laughs> Which is funny, right? You'd think, oh yeah, history obviously it's happened, so therefore that's what happened. It's like, well, no. there's biases there's different points of view there's all this and history is
1: like often written by the victors which and the oppressors so it's it's so interesting and it's you know a lot of museums are thankfully starting to wake up and are starting to lean more on accurate though difficult interpretations especially here in America where the south has often been very inaccurate in their presentations (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's one way of putting it yes
1: because <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a whole like <laughs> lengthy conversation there
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean we're seeing it all this year I think oh, yeah. early on this year the, the statues and stuff that was such a I loved that because obviously, it was great it, it was great in terms of obviously like good on everyone for taking them down because ridiculousness but also, it was fun to see the historical discussions being brought up about it. Um, oh <laughs> the great uh, podcast called History Hit, which is by Dan Snow, mm-hmm. and he has all these different historians on to talk about different topics. And the one about the statues was just so great. There was a whole discussion about whether they should take down um, Nelson's Column. And I was like, oh, I love this because I know some people get so mad.
1: Oh my gosh, people would lose their minds over that. Wouldn't they?
0: It's like, oh, who cares? It's not, it doesn't really matter, does it?
1: It's just a statue. It's not really history. The history right? is still there. I and promise that, you.
0: And that itself would be part of history.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Making a new history.
0: That's cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that even I learned this year. Um, there's a great... Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I'll post it in the um, Patreon link. Uh, this middle-ages Middle, hit, uh, I can't even talk, middle Ages historian who talks about how the Middle Ages has been unjustly talked about mm-hmm. for years and how the Middle Ages weren't even that bad. And yeah. you're like, that's ridiculous. That can't be the case. And then you read into it. You're like, oh, okay. Well, everything I know is a lie.
1: It's It's crazy how so much has been crafted the history that we know and how we perceive things has been crafted by the hands of many people through the, the centuries
0: yeah 100 one of my favorite quotes i saw this week from that historian was she referred to the renaissance as um a really great uh <laughs> like art marketing campaign oh yeah like the entire renaissance is basically this big like pr stunt
1: There was something I recently learned, too. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was the Iron Maiden. Um, On my podcast, Petticoats and Poppies, we were talking about Sleepy Hollow. And there's that great scene with the Iron Maiden and his mother being put in it. And I found out that the Iron Maiden was never a real torture device. Yeah. And it was like literally made up by, I think, the Victorians to make that period of history seem like brutal and savage and it's like that's just like three guys got together and decided to pretend that they had found some medieval torture device <laughs> so stupid like why would they do that and people still think it's a weird real thing and it's like it's so interesting to see that throughout history there's been manipulation of history that's just persisted as its own form of history
0: yeah the victorians in general are notorious for messing with our minds in terms of what we consider to be the history of things is mm-hmm. it's, they but they got a bit out of the hand i think <laughs> they got too crazy like how can we make this more interesting it's like it's already interesting you don't need to go crazy on that
1: i know they did that at the tower of london they changed the in one of the rooms they changed all the labels during the victorian era because they Ugh. thought they sounded boring and then like not even that long ago, they found like the original labels for everything and realized oh, they awesome. had changed it. And it was like, why? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Tower of London is my favorite place on earth, and I suppose that says a lot about me. More it's than... my
1: mom's favorite place too. Oh well, really. Mm-hmm. Every time we come, we have to go there like the first or second day we're in London.
0: It is such a great place. I mean, it's weird because it's such a like it's a lovely stroll.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: got a lovely walk down um, the Thames. There's great ice cream there.
1: Yes. They also have very good tea and scones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the last time I went there was last year and I posted the picture of myself inside near the White Tower with an ice cream with the <laughs> caption, uh, Charlie won Jesuit priests nil. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry to all these people that genuinely got tortured and died here, but I'm having <laughs> ice cream now, so who's the winner? <laughs> sorry, Anne Boleyn.
1: Oh, uh, one of my ancestors was killed at the Tower of London.
0: Oh wow, really? I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was the last I think he was the last public execution there. Um part of the Jacobite Revolution. Um he was a Lord Lovett.
0: <laughs> oh. That's <laughs> and awesome. that's why
1: there's Lovett Lane leading up to the Tower and also it intersects with Fleet Street. So that's where Mrs. Lovett's last name came from in Sweeney Todd
0: oh my god, that's awesome
1: it was like the weirdest, like we were walking we came at the, the Tower of London from a different direction than we usually did and I was like, yeah. wait a second, this is Fleet Street and that's, lo- oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh oh
1: <laughs> oh that makes sense
0: <laughs> this e- this entrance you came out of, wasn't uh, Traitor's Gate, was it?
1: <laughs> probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're in a little boat, like we gotta leave
1: time to go <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome yeah, I don't know why it's one of my favorite places. I think, especially like history, like there's some places where you're just drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell things happened there, even though obviously it's the Tower of London, of course things happened. but
1: You can yeah. feel the history.
0: Like you can you go, oh yeah, there's this definitely, like you're drawn there as a magnetism. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to um, Windsor Castle for the first time last year. Oh. And me and my mom actually were like, should we just do it? Like, we just come back from Legoland and we're like, screw it. Like, we'll just pay for a tour. And we went in, we went inside the round tower, went all the way onto the roof of the round tower so you can see, you could, it was so high up that you could see London from mm-hmm. Windsor, which was crazy. But I was like, look, Mom, we have to go inside the chapel. Like we, We've got to, like, everyone's oh, yeah. buried here. So I met George the Third. you know, <laughs> chilling oh. out with Cool. But the coolest thing I was like the thing that I has been building up my entire life, I was like, I have to meet this person. Even though they're <laughs> dead and under, under the ground. But you met them. <laughs> I would say so. Henry the Eighth. Yeah. Buried there with um Jane Seymour. Uh which is pretty cool. It's like, okay. Yeah. I see you. George the Fifth, I think, was there. George the f- George the Fourth was he there? Probably. He's he's awful. I think really so. likes George the Fourth.
1: The the uh, one weird thing I did that I'm so glad I did, I did it like 10 years ago now. I, well, I guess eight years ago, it was my sophomore year of college. We went back for another holiday to England and one of my best friends at the time, she came with us and we decided to walk the steps all the way up to St. Paul's Cathedral to the very yeah. top. And I took a bunch of pictures and it's just like this gorgeous skyline of, of London. And I think my legs are still exhausted from that walk up.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I've never been inside St. Paul's.
1: It's fantastic. The view is, I think it's the same view they use for like the Sherlock opening credits, that like fantastic upper view of London, because my pictures look just like that view. And it was so surreal to be like that high up and walking up those stairs that, you know, have been walked up for so many years by so many different people to tend to the cathedral.
0: I Definitely want to go inside the cathedral and like just heal. Like, I think isn't Charles Darwin buried there? Mm hmm. Just be like, hey, you all right?
1: Hey, buddy, how are you doing? <laughs> you were <laughs> Not right. <very> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I haven't been in the St. Paul's Cathedral, but I have been in another St. uh, Saint Christopher Wren creation, which is the monument. Have you been up there? Mm hmm. Now that tired me out.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: it's like. If we just make a giant plump to come out of, of London, I like, oh, whatever.
1: If you like communing with the recently deceased, um, you should go to St Martin's in the Field, and mm. it's right off the Strand, I believe. Uh, they have a crypt cafe, and it's de- it's a really nice cafe down underneath the the church, and like all the the graves are like right there, and you have tea and soup. That sounds fun. We go every single time we go. It's like my mom's favorite place to visit.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) That's a crypt cafe. There is a there's a fun Google Map extension which shows you where plague pits are.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: It just pops up. It's like, yeah, this is where plague pit is. And you're like, oh, cool.
1: I'm gonna have to show my mom that because she's obsessed with the plague.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'll send you a link. (laughs) I'll see if I can find you the link for that.
1: I got my history love from my mother.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And you relate to Jacobites then. Yes. So not a fan of the monarchy.
1: <laughs> I suppose not.
0: <laughs> it's all in the past. It's fine now. Yeah,
1: like our clan is the clan on Outlander. Oh, cool. Clan Fraser.
0: <laughs> I love all these like weird battles and stuff. So crazy. <laughs> I think my family just stayed out of it. To be honest,
1: just like eh, not getting involved.
0: <laughs> Up north, or oh, or oh, part of my because I got different. Like strands and everything, but my dad's side, so my dad's dad's side lived in Yorkshire, and I traced them back into like the seventeen hundreds just stayed in the same location. Oh what wow, a boring bunch, <laughs> just didn't do anything It's
1: like we're just gonna you know politely decline to be part of this history,
0: <laughs> yeah or whatever I don't, I don't deal with that um but yeah, sorry, that was a weird historical tangent because I'm a geek <laughs> about this stuff um. So I guess uh, what's the worst part about writing?
1: Um, letting other people read it. Mm. Uh, my my best friend Nicole and I have been working on a pilot uh, for like a very crazy concept, and it should be an hour long pilot, but we're currently sitting at about thirty minutes. But we started letting people read it and give us like feedback, and it's so nerve wracking. <laughs> I hate oh. it so much because you know like reading a script scripts are different than reading books so oftentimes people will like have random complaints with things that are really only there to like inform an assistant director what to tell the production assistant to tell the background to do Mm -hmm. and it's like that doesn't really pertain to the actual script like a minor detail about a, a jogger running by and like pedestrians bustling past like that doesn't actually inform you of the story at all so move on that doesn't need to be critiqued yeah <laughs> Crit- critique my dialogue <laughs>
0: yeah. i yeah feedback is an interesting thing because it's necessary but also it's like
1: just tell me it's good i know just just, just tell me i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing though was that our we've had three readers so far tell us that nicole and i write like one single british person <laughs>
0: I guess <laughs> you're gonna have to explain that.
1: And I was like, "Oops," because Nicole lived in London for about a year, and yeah. our entire friend group is British, <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, "Oops."
0: <laughs> what, so, what's the script like? Um, right, how's it going in it?
1: <laughs> and it's not even like that. It's just like apparently we use like certain turns of phrase that people identify as like British colloquialisms, and it's entirely like unintentional. But it just cracked me up because we wrote a script last year that was set in England with British characters. It was like a Harry Potter-inspired – like, it was about the Black Sisters. And people are like, this feels like Americans writing about British people. And we're like, oops. And then we write an actual American script and now everyone's saying we sound British. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, Oh, yeah, typical.
1: Uh, And I I feel like part of it's – I i'm in grad school at the university of wales online and mm-hmm. i found that the only time they respond to me promptly is when i write a very specific way that sounds less american
0: <laughs> yeah <I> feel... <laughs> like...
1: and i'm like i think that's just like in my accidental like default now
0: <laughs> so is there any like colloquialisms you can use as an example like what um... ones do they catch you out for
1: Like you used one earlier that I've only ever heard um, like my British friends use like at university, like, Mm -hmm. and that's like, I don't know. That's not how we refer to like going to to college and like uni is something that like nobody here uses. And I've always used that like I went to uni Um, and there's just a couple other ones. I can't even think of any like right off the, the top of my head, but it's certain like sometimes you'll use words like in a slightly different like order i think i found that just very like quickly identifies like the origin of the the author um so it's just interesting especially since like obviously american and british both speak english just different slight turn of phrases
0: it's funny though isn't it yeah i suppose again in it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's weird like i didn't even think about uni being a weird sort of british colloquialism
1: Yeah, so many people thought I was so weird when I used that um, when I went to college here. Um, And I'm like, I don't know, just all my friends were like in uni at the time and that's what they said. So I just got very used to saying that. um,
0: Maybe I'm biased, but it sounds cooler than...
1: It's so much better.
0: I studied at college.
1: It's so much better. (laughs) Because here in America, there's a difference between college and university.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which I still don't... I do understand it. I think college is more like sick form. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. It is. And then
0: yeah, so that's a whole confusing element. It's like just use the same terms, it'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, um I can't even...
1: I'm trying to think of some other ones. Nicole oh. is more notorious at using them on our podcast. Okay. Because she, I mean she lived in London for a year, so Well, that makes sense. And worked at the Dickens Museum, so she Oh, that would have been cool. I know. I'm so jealous.
0: <laughs> I sat in his chair once, which was fun. Oh. In a castle. I think it was an Arundel castle.
1: Oh, I love that castle.
0: It's so good. <laughs> Got to go there for a history uh, GCSE. Um, But yeah, uh, I, one of the funny things was when I was doing my journalism degree, we had to do pronunciation lessons and uh, one-on-ones with a, a radio oh. a voice caster, who was our lecturer. And he would like, just go, okay, well, you read out this piece of news and I'll give you some feedback and stuff and you can work on it. And my favorite one was with my family, because I come from a working class family Mm in London. I often get, because I I grew up in London, I'm from London, I consider it home still, even though I haven't lived there since I was nine. And then we moved out to the country because my parents wanted, you know, to get away from everything so my family always say, you sound posh, which I hate. It's the worst. I hate it so oh, much. No. It gets on my nerves like, oh, you sound so posh. Oh, you sound so posh. I'm like, yep, yeah, no, I don't know. Stop. <laughs> and then it's like, what? because I use words? Like, what does that mean? And then I was like, okay, well, I don't fit in there, then obviously. And then when I did this whole readout for my lecturer, he was like, that's great, but... um. You sound a bit too common.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: I was like, well, what am I then? Pick one. Pick one root, and I'll go with it.
1: I can't because... be both. <laughs>
0: it's because I can't pronounce T's. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's still something I struggle with. Um, like as Claire and Nikki like to make fun of me. Oh gosh! If I say uh, water, I say water because yeah. it's water, not yeah. water. I need to say water it's water that's all it will be but it's kind of like i was like oh, do you know what I, I should work on this but i can't be bothered <laughs> so i'm gonna just go with what i'm doing at the minute
1: yeah it's the same thing here with accents like i have a very like you can't really identify exactly where i'm from because of being such a like turnover area lots of people from different places are in this region but mm. you go a little bit like an hour south, and people have such a different accent. It's crazy.
0: It's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I suppose there's so much, especially in America as well because obviously it's much bigger, and mm-hmm. there's all this different contextual information. I guess in the u k. you get it a little bit like up north. there's obviously like Celtic tribes that came down oh, and yeah. whatever. But in America, it's like not just tribes, it's like the whole countries
1: so many different accents. It's wild
0: oh god that's, yeah crazy yeah uh my next question is how do you juggle the numerous outlets of your creativity
1: <laughs> i was just talking about this with my friend the other night because i was like oh i feel like i wasn't productive at all and then she's like really what did you do today and i like looked at everything <laughs> i did and she's like that's like 12 different things <laughs> um i'm a little bit crazy i think that's how it works um, that's what I always always say, just a, a little bit unhinged, and that's how I manage everything. Um, I don't know, I've always been that way. I like keeping a hand in multiple different activities. Um, I think mm-hmm. in part it's because I have ADHD and so that hyperactivity really works in my my benefit sometimes. Um I don't know, I, I like lists, I like crossing off lists. I like being able to look at like what I've accomplished in a day. Um, and I like being able to do like different things all at once. So like I'll be working on an article in one Google doc and then I'll be outlining something in another Google doc and then I'll have my Photoshop up and I'll be working on something for fun and like trying to keep myself like engaged as best as possible, um, and then I'll like also have my TV on, and I'll be watching like the Haunting of Bly Manor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I have podcasts on all the time, or just old radio shows, mm-hmm. and that's why I've got the. Uh, I think it was like two years ago, maybe three. I think it must have been three years ago actually. I downloaded the Photoshop uh, app on my phone because it, it was that you know, like sometimes when you're out, and you're like, okay, I've got mm-hmm. an idea for a Photoshop, or like a stupid tweet. I can't go. I can't wait till I get home to do it. I have to just do it on my phone.
1: Mm-hmm. I Even love having like Google Docs on my phone, so I can like start writing when I'm not at home.
0: So good, especially oh, the tweets I sometimes come up with. <laughs> you and have they're, like at them. night. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I was to, there was a really stupid one I did about Greece once. I just never tweeted it out. Oh no. <laughs> Oh that's, it's it it was literally it was a it was a notes on my iPhone. <laughs> it said tweet, Sandy I'm in misery. And then underneath quotation marks Photoshop John Travolta in misery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never did it, but I was like, Oh, okay, well that would have been good. Um maybe that can be a Halloween tweet.
1: There you go. <laughs> there you go.
0: Uh, so I got two more questions for you. All right. And I'm going to do it quick fire because they're quick fire, but they're also really complicated. So you can not oh, take as long as you want. <laughs> um, so the first one is what's a memory that you cherish the most?
1: Oh my gosh. I think one of my favorites I go back to like all the time was when I was four and my mom took me to my very first convention for my birthday. And it was a Star Trek conver- convention. And I met Robert Beltran who played Chakotay and he wished me happy birthday and he kissed me on the cheek. And like, I really cherish that memory, especially since my photo of it, I look shell shocked and like, I don't (laughs) want to be there. And in reality, it was just, I couldn't believe he was like real because I was like four and seeing this character that I watched on TV every week. um, And at that same convention, there was a family that was dressed up as Klingons and they had a little boy that was about my age. And so he asked me to dance with him at this like after party. And so I have this really vivid memory of dancing with a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> true. And it was like so cool to me because like a four-year-old doesn't really fully understand like the concept of cosplay, especially that early on that wasn't like something commonly talked about. And so I really thought I had danced with an actual Klingon. And I like told people <laughs> that I had met Klingons. That's
0: incredible. I don't think I interacted with cosplay until I was like, in my teens like I was always aware of like people doing mm-hmm. that I was like I don't know if I'll ever be, be able to do that and then when I went to my first convention in 2010 I was like okay now I get that now I get it this is so much fun it just feels like home mm-hmm. Home away from, especially like celebration
1: I know I can't wait to go to my first celebration have you never been I've never been <gasps> I have thought about yeah. going this year <laughs> Oh, no. And then I I missed, like, the ticket day or something. Ugh. And I thought about going to Chicago. And then I think I was booked on some project on a film or something. And so now that I have plans to go in 2022, <laughs> <laughs> when the next celebration is, I have plenty of time to plan.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you, we, we definitely have to sort of team up, do some podcasts. And stuff, oh, yeah. And it's be so much
1: fun. I'm so excited to see what everyone will create between now and 2022. And, like all the, like, different creative outlets everybody will use in this time before celebration.
0: Yeah, I joked with Nikki that, um, because we were planning to, uh, we wanted to do our first ever live show. We actually applied for our live stage show, because I think a few other people did it last time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look, I'm really nervous, but screw it. Like, I'm ready for this. Like, I want to be out there in the crowd. Because last time we went, me and Claire walked around the convention center, and we had, like, a lot of people come up to us and go, Hey, are you Charlie from Imperial Snow Podcast? I was like,
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I was
0: like, they're like we listen to your show. You're really funny. I was like, oh,
1: thank you. Oh my goodness. Just
0: like crazy. Like people like you just go, Oh like I just expect people who you know, you know, from Twitter and stuff. But no, people just listen to you. And that is an experience that was
1: that's amazing.
0: So that's definitely what we wanna do we want to do this time. Although me and Nikki have joked that (laughs) we're probably all going to be cancelled by next next celebration. (laughs) Just just like everyone's cancelled. It's fine. It's like a whole new wave of podcasters.
1: Oh, no. Don't let the Zoomers start becoming podcasters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The TikTok uh, crowd.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: Um, Yeah. But we definitely have to look forward for that. It's going to be. um, pretty fun i think hopefully especially because of, isn't d23 that year as well now
1: i believe so like the next week which is
0: how ridiculous is that
1: stressful and i'm just gonna be like i'm just gonna skip d23 <laughs> I'm just gonna do celebration
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know how much although that would be fun Depends just
1: hotel hotels will cost so much for that long
0: i'll just i'll just convince nikki to let me stay with him
1: there you go there's just crash
0: Or live on Hollywood. Just live on the street for a bit. Should <laughs> be fine. Um. Yeah. Uh, so that was a great memory. But I got one more question for you. Okay. It's a really easy one. So don't worry about it. Uh, Is what do you ultimately want to be reminded for when you
1: die? That's a really good question. Thank you. Um. I don't want, I don't want to be like that person. who's like, oh, she was such a good person. Cause like, that's such like, that always feels trite. Like, obviously not everybody is like a hundred percent a good person. And like people yeah. who do that whole, like, oh, a wonderful person. I want to be remembered as somebody who drove everybody insane, <laughs> but they <laughs> love nevertheless. Because I want to be somebody who had an interesting story and not just like a footnote in everyone's memories. Like, oh yeah, she was nice. Sad she's gone.
0: Yeah, like even like really goody two shoot people don't get remembered that much.
1: Exactly. I wanna be somebody that's like, oh that Maggie What, what are we gonna an do angel. without her craziness?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want a bit of like they a
1: controversy, but not too much.
0: <laughs> like, um do you have Leavers Day Leavers Days in America? Mm-hmm. But I'm aware of it. Okay, so for my sick form Leavers Day uh on my shirt i still got my shirt the head of sick form so the head of the whole sick form Mm -hmm. and my history teacher for years he wrote on my, he actually wrote on my shirt and he wrote do not harm any living thing (laughs) and that was a personalized message so i feel like that's the sort of thing like (laughs) you know i love that he's like yep charlie don't hurt anyone um that yeah, that sort of thing, like where people know you for, for a like specific certain reason. thing, yeah. We actually that the year of sick forms so that would have been what like college mm-hmm. last year at college or something. Um, we were leaving the same year that the headmaster who had been there for years before, like I even started secondary school, had because it's like the, it's the same bit like school. So mm-hmm. The sick form was part of the secondary school, so like the high school, I guess. And (laughs) he was leaving that year, and so there was this massive cart that was going around. And everyone had to sign it. And you know how, like, in, like, 80s teen movies, Mm -hmm. a friend would be like, hey, you should write something stupid. Head of sick form came up to me. (laughs) Oh, no. I was like, you should put something, like, terrible. I'm joking. And I was like... Are you sure, sir? He's like, Yeah, i will be fine. And so everyone <laughs> gave him like, he got he got given this card, by the way, in the assembly. And other people will look at the card when they were given it and they stared at me or like whispering, and I was like, uh oh, this is this is this is too far. So everyone had put like, obviously, good luck with retirement. I put rest in peace, sir. Oh, <laughs> we we'll yeah. always miss you. <laughs> but to be fair, I was I was like told to do that by the head of six, so that was my excuse.
1: There you go, you had an excuse.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and that's like you said, you want, science, you want to be remembered as a, a bit wacky or a bit crazy or. Mm-hmm. but also kind, I guess.
1: Exactly Yeah,
0: well Maggie, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me this is fantastic.
0: Oh, thank you um, where can people find you and your stuff?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the Town And then my YouTube channel is Let's Talk About Star Wars.
0: Perfect. Um, We'll be back next time. Uh, Again, Maggie, thank you for coming on. And everyone else, see you then.